Well, this morning we are in our week two of our two-week jaunt into the New Testament. Uh, have you enjoyed being in the New Testament for a couple weeks? A couple of you? Okay, great. Next week, uh, Ken will be back, and we will be diving into a four-week series on Ruth. Uh, you will not want to miss that. Um, we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3 today. And what Paul is doing in Colossians 3 is he's drawing a comparison to the old life and the new life and how we can live as a community of believers in the new life. And what he's going to do is he gives us at the beginning of chapter 3 a list of five things that he says we are to, to put aside, to take off, all that are wrapped up in our old self. And then the passage we're going through, he's going to give us a wardrobe change. He's going to give us five virtues to put on so that as we live in community as believers, we can find unity as believers. And he gives us this roadmap of, of how to live in biblical community. And I think it's so relevant to today. I think that this is a great encouragement, reminder, or maybe a correction uh, for us together here today. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're just going to show you the, the, the two lists side by side. The, the put-asides and the put-ons. And I think it will be pretty evident quickly uh, what Paul is calling us to. He says, put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech. But put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And when you review those two lists, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to see that building community on the left side list would be pretty difficult, wouldn't it? I, I imagine you don't run towards people that are angry or that are wrathful or that are slanderous or that you know are just going to be abusive with their speech to you. I mean, that is a recipe for division. That is a recipe for disunity. And Paul says, that's part of your old self. Don't live this way. Cast that aside. Take that off. And instead, have a wardrobe change. And he says to put on these virtues that he will build a case, moves us towards unity as believers. Well, I, I decided to take a risk uh, because my wife uh, decided I need a little wardrobe change myself. She said that the two shirts I always wear to teach was no longer going to cut it uh, and that I needed a new pair of jeans and a haircut. So here I am. <laughs> and you know, this isn't a, a big deviation from what I would typically wear, but it is a massive deviation from how I used to dress and how I used to look. And at the risk of this being all that you remember from this message this morning, I'll just show you the old self that I have put aside never to return. And you have the new self right here. See, in the old self, as I was talking to the lady cutting my hair yesterday, and I made it clear, I need you to make sure that back center part is cut because my hair grows to a point. And she said, oh, a rat tail. And she goes, have you ever heard it called that? I'm like, yes, I used to live that. Uh, 
Because back in the day, I, I was full-on mullet, right, I see you pointing, uh, mullet, rat tail, bangs, half bangs, spiked hair, short shorts, turtleneck, sweater. I, I could not suffer through a turtleneck and sweater these days. I have too much thermal covering already. Uh, I don't need those shorts, no thank you. But that, that's the old me. My wife is dressing me in the new me. Praise God, yes, thank you. I heard that amen in the back. And, and this is a, a fun picture of old and new because what we're going to be dealing with is not as fun. Because my guess is as we go through this, you're going to experience what I did, which is challenge after challenge to live more and more like Christ. Because each one of these virtues points back to who Christ was, the perfect example of each one of these, and the call for us to live like him. And so we're going to go through these, and they start in verse 12. It says, So, as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And right off the back, Paul grounds uh, their identity in Christ because he knows that our identity drives our actions. And he wants to make sure that their identity is found in Christ alone, not in what other people want from them, not in the false teaching that surrounds them, but in what Christ has done, the finished work of salvation that Christ has accomplished on their behalf. And you know, that is such a, a good reminder to start off with. Because I, I think we miss opportunities to sit and meditate on who we are in Christ. We are not, uh, we are not a mistake. We are not on our own. We are chosen by the God of the universe. We are not uh, without purpose. We have been set apart for our role in God's great and grand story to carry out his purposes in our lives. And we are not alone or abandoned, but we are beloved. And my guess is there are people in this room that need to be reminded of that this morning. Because without that reminder and without that grounding in this truth, living out these virtues is very difficult. But with that in view, with that reminder of who God is and how he has made us, he has chosen us, he has adopted us, he has set us apart, and he loves us. That motivation puts us up to the task of trying to live like Christ did. Because here's the, the truth. We can't settle for just looking different than the world. We have to look like Christ. We have to have the character and characteristics of Jesus. It's not enough just to look different. We have to look like Christ. And Paul lays it out for us in these five virtues. So we're going to go step by step through each one. And each one has a definition given by one of our commentators that we read. And I have it noted there so you can see who it is. It's either Tom Constable or David Garland. And we're going to start with compassion. And what compassion is, 
is it shows sensitivity to those suffering in need. And I don't think it's uh, very difficult to see that there is a lot of suffering and a lot of need in our world today. And I think it's only going to increase. And compassion is what the world is going to need from the church to show the compassion of Jesus to those suffering, to those in need. But I, I want to ask you a, a question, a, an evaluation question. When someone in your circle, or maybe someone outside of your circle, is suffering, what's your reaction? When you hear of someone in need, when you hear of someone suffering, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? My hope is it's action-oriented. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I love? Maybe it's just empathy. You feel it. You, you understand and you let that suffering and need sink in. Maybe it's a sacrificial. What do I need to, to give up to help out? We've got some great sacrificial uh, people in this body. But maybe it's avoidance. Maybe it's like, oh, I can't take on that right now. I've got too much in my life, or I just don't want to deal with that. That, that sounds messy and difficult. Maybe it's indifference. Wow, that stinks. And you just move on with your day, changing subjects. Or maybe you're so drowned out in busyness, you just don't have time. Or maybe that, that need and that suffering drives you to busyness so you don't have to deal with it. And Jesus had compassion. And I, for one, am so thankful for it. Paul also says part of your wardrobe is putting on kindness. And Garland says a gracious sensitivity towards others that is triggered by genuine care for their feelings and desires. Man, don't you love people who embody kindness? They are easy to talk to. They're easy to share with. You know from just the look in their eye that they care and they want to know more. And you can also tell the people who don't. They're the ones that are just kind of shaking their head and their eyes or somewhere else, and you're like, they want to be anywhere but here. Man, we need more people being kind and not just nice. Not putting on the smile and being nice, but having that deep-seated kindness that is exemplified by Christ. So the question to, to consider is kindness a quality that those close to you would say is a characteristic of you? Man, maybe your inner circle, you're like, hey, do you think I'm kind? And they're like, oh yeah, you're so kind, we love you, and you're so great. But what about those circles that are a little bit further out? What would they say? Because it's easy to be kind to those in your close circles, right? The people that are easy to be kind to, the, the people that you love hanging out with, but what about everyone else? Kindness is hard. But we're also called to put on humility. Uh, and this is a whole different beast, isn't it? Uh, Constable says this is having a realistic view of oneself, an awareness, understanding who you are and who you are not. And this one, this one was difficult. Because as I processed this and as I was praying through these passages and I came to this one, I'm like, well, God, how, how do you know if you're humble? And it reminded me of something I heard somewhere by someone, and there's their picture. I'm not sure who it is. Uh, we'll say it was someone very wise. 
ask the question, who is the subject of your sentences? Who is the subject of your sentences throughout the day? My wife has caught me multiple times uh, over the years when we're discussing something, and she just says, well, Shane, I'm not you. And I'm like, why did she say that? Well, because I said, you know, if it was me, I would do this. And you know how I think is this. And on and on, she's like, well, I'm not you. I'm like, well, you should try. No. (laughs) I mean, up until this point, I was under the impression I was the most humble person I knew. But I realized that's a joke. Sorry. Those of you that don't know me are like, oh, boy. Uh, That's a joke. I promise. Another virtue we're supposed to put on of this new wardrobe, of this new self, is gentleness. This means not behaving harshly, arrogantly, or self-assertively, but with consideration for others. And you know the sad truth, and this may not be true of you, but it may be, the hardest people I feel to apply this to is those in your own household. I feel like there are times I go through where I give myself permission to not be gentle, to be harsh, to just throw my weight around and and not be as kind and gentle at home as I am outside of my home. And and that's a tragedy. I've worked hard to try to say what I need to say when I'm not at home, so that I don't take it out on the people in my home. Because I want to be gentle there as I'm gentle elsewhere. So what area or areas do you find yourself giving uh, yourself permission to ignore gentleness? Is it in your own home? Is it at work? Is it when your Christian friends aren't around? I mean, do you give permission to, to set aside gentleness in your life? And if so, where is that and why? It's something we need to work on. Finally, the fifth virtue is put on patience. And may I just give you some advice? I've heard people that have prayed for patience, and that seems to be a a prayer. I see some heads shaking. Don't do that. Uh, God answers that prayer, uh, and it's not always fun. But we are to put on patience. And Constable says, this is the quality of being long-suffering and self-restraining. And in our culture today, we don't want to deal with long-suffering. We don't want to deal with suffering. We don't want to deal with inconvenience. And we definitely don't want to have anything disrupt our comfort. And so patience is so difficult to live out. And yet so essential to the unity of the body of Christ that we have to deal with it. And an evaluation question we have to ask is, what ways and areas has God been long-suffering and patient with me? Because for me, that's what it always has to go back to. When I look and go, oh, I'm so sick of this person. I'm so sick of dealing with this. I'm so sick of being in this predicament. I have to look at my own life and go, I am so glad God is not like me. I am so glad God doesn't have the lack of patience that I have because I would be in so much trouble if he did. And it reminds me of the grace 
and the patience and the long-suffering and all the things that God has put up with me and allows me to extend some of that grace to others. In light of his patience, what would keep you from extending that same grace? And when we, are, when we know where our identity is anchored, of what Christ has done on our behalf, the depths that he has gone to to redeem us and purchase us out of our sins and into his family, it makes being patient with one another a little bit easy, doesn't it? Because we know what he puts up with us. And we are to extend that to others. So when we internalize these five virtues, when, when this becomes who we are, it makes it so much easier to live out what Paul is going to call to next, which is bearing one another and forgiving each other. Because in our community, there is going to be times, and Paul knows this. So he makes clear, hey, I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to have to bear with one another. You're going to have to forgive one another because you're going to mess up. The only perfect church is the one that's empty. By showing up today, I made this an imperfect church. And so did you. But we need to live out these virtues. We need to have them as part of our wardrobe. Because Paul calls us to bear one another and to forgive one another. And without these virtues being wrapped up in them, this is, this is very difficult. And yet in our culture today, so necessary. So necessary. We have a team that is finishing up their time in the Czech Republic. We have partnered in the Czech for the past 20 plus years. I've been on nine or 10 of those trips. And one thing that has always stood out to me from talking with Czechs who have been going to these camps for years, that have put their faith in Christ, I ask them, hey, what, what was it? Like when you look back at your time at camp, when you look at your decision to follow Christ, what, what seemed to stick out to you? And it's never the perfect gospel presentation or the wonderful words that were taught or the songs that were sung. What they say stops them in their tracks is the way the American team loved one another. That there was unity, that there was love, that there was care, that there was serving uh, known and, and done among the team. That made them go, now wait a minute, this is something different. This is something I haven't seen. This is something I don't experience. This isn't seen by anyone in any of my circles. And in the most atheistic country in the world, the unity of believers makes them go, maybe I should look into this whole Jesus thing. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Again, it all goes back to Christ. It all goes back into our anchoring. Because Christ has forgiven us, 
because Christ has forgiven me, because Christ has forgiven you, we are to bear with one another. We are to forgive one another. We are to live in the unity that Christ has granted us through his life, death, and resurrection. And it is not easy. It is messy. It is difficult. And there are going to be times where you want to give up and quit. And Paul knows that. And that is why he has been giving us these passages anchored in our identity, calling us to put on this great wardrobe of virtues that Christ was the perfect example of, and now calls us to this unity in practice, bearing one another, putting up with others, and enduring discomfort. Man, does this sound like what you get excited about? You know, I sure would like to be not comfortable today and in an awkward situation with people that I don't know very well and, and just make it work. I, I sure would like to put up with others like this title uh, of this message. Probably not. But the reason behind it, the why, is greater than our discomfort. To show the unity that Christ brings through his life, death, and resurrection is worth a little discomfort, is worth living life with other people that are just as messy as us. But then we get to forgiveness. When we've been wronged, when we have the right to get revenge, when we have the right to do as we please because of what someone else has done. And Constable says, forgiveness involves not holding a grudge or a grievance, but letting it go immediately. Anyone have the spiritual gift of grudging? Man, the immediately struck me. But isn't that what we're thankful for with Christ? That he doesn't hold it over our heads, remind us of, it, of our failures daily? What if we did that for one another? What if we were quick to forgive and quick to forget for unity, for the gospel, to see other people, see what we have, and how we can live differently because of Christ? That would speak such volumes to this world. Well, how do we do that? Well, Paul kind of wraps it all together in love. And just as he started with anchoring us that we are loved, he now says, hey, as loved ones, love one another. It's the perfect bond of unity. This is the cover garment of all of it. Because Christ loves us, we love one another. Show, demonstrate that love that we profess we found in Christ. Show it through loving others. You know, this church that he's talking to, they're going to face opposition. They already have false teachers among them. They're going to have to cling to one another because that's the family Christ has given them in that place at that time. And Paul is encouraging them to this unity. But then he goes on and says, okay, here's, here's how we do that. We let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. What a great sentence. Let the peace of Christ 
rule in our hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within your hearts, with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I love the two lets. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. And, and there's a, a symbiotic relationship with them. Because if you look at this next quote, and this next quote stopped me cold. I, I read it like 10 times. I screenshot it. I sent it to my family. I said, don't post this anywhere because I want everyone to be surprised. But David Garland says, the peace of, peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. I mean, this is one of those big amens. The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. This is so good. This needs to be written down. This needs to be photoed. needs to be put on your social media so other people can see it. But more than any of it, we need to live it. Because when I have found myself not having peace, I look and the well is dry in my scripture reading. I'm thin on consuming the word of God. And that peace starts fleeing. But the more I saturate myself in God's word with who he is, what he has done, that he is sovereign over all, that he works everything out for his good, that he will not leave me or forsake me, that peace returns. Because I'm reminded of who he is. And most of my lack of peace is because I'm trying to be who he is instead of serving him in his proper place. The peace of Christ rules where the word of Christ dwells. Finally, wrapping up this, this passage, we'll have to get through this quickly. Uh, the repetition of thankful. It's so easy to get cynical. It is so easy to find all the faults and all the inadequacies in life, to point out the shortcomings of others. And we don't spend enough time just being thankful. God has given so much. God continues to bless in so many ways. God's hand is moving all the time. And we need to take time and be thankful. Paul wraps up this section saying, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever we do, wherever we go, every word, every deed should be done for the glory of God and in the name of the Lord Jesus for his purpose. He gave us the breath. Let us spend that breath for his great name. Together, unified, willing to live among other messed up, fallen short people, just like Christ lives with us and stays connected and unified with us, we need to be unified together. We don't want to look like the rest of the world. We want to live like Christ. 
because that will show this unbelieving world that there is something about the name of Jesus, the unifying name of Christ. And they will seek out what the truth is, hear the gospel, and have their eternities transformed. And that's what we are about. Unity in Christ should be the distinguishing mark of the church. We want it to be true of the capital C. We want it to be true here at Fellowship. But it's going to take every single one of us, individually as a body, filling our lives with the word of Christ and living in the peace of Christ for the purposes of God. A couple next steps. First one is I'll commit to reading through Ruth this week in preparation for our four-week series. Man, that's coming in hot and, and ready this next Sunday. So let's go ahead and get prepared. Let's utilize that growth guide in our bulletin and read through uh, the book of Ruth. Or maybe you, you heard that last part that we went by so quick about thankfulness. And you're like, I need to spend some time. I find myself complaining about everything and very rarely thanking God for everything. I'm going to spend some time and focus uh, thankfulness this week and, and just mark all the things that God has done and praise him and thank him for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your mercy, for your kindness, for your patience. Father, may we be people who live that out in unity, bearing with one another and forgiving each other as you have forgiven us. Amen.